Good morning, church. Uh, today's reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that is what weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met with us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have set their minds have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. He does not submit to God's law, nor can he do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Hey, good morning, everyone. Isn't another wonderful, sunny Lord's Day today? Makes you really appreciate God and all that he's done, so... Last week, we talked about not letting sin be our master. Hopefully, a lot of you had that lesson in your mind. Hopefully, it's still a little fresh. We talked about how we had died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? God doesn't want us to go back to sin. So the Apostle Paul told his Christian audience that they were to break those sinful habits, to live for Christ now since he died for them, to set them free from sin. And we know that sin leads to death. So why would we want to go back to it? So this message is for us, not just the audience that Paul is speaking to here, but for us today as well. This week, we're going to actually skip over chapter 7, because we've already covered chapter 7 in a previous lesson, or at least the bulk of it. And uh, we would like to look at chapter 8 this week. However, I'd like us to read a few verses from chapter 7, just to bridge the gap so that we can carry over into chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles open, take a look, if you will, to Romans chapter 7. And I'd like us to take a look at verses 4 to 6 of Romans chapter 7. So verses 4 to 6 of Romans chapter 7. So the Apostle Paul says, So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And this is what Paul was trying to get across in Romans chapter 6. And so we come into chapter 8. And in chapter 8, Paul continues with this thought, but he uses a different line of reasoning. So previously in Romans chapter 6, he's talking about not going back to sin not being a master, to, to a slave to sin, having sin as your master, but following the new master. Well, now he comes and he has a different line of reasoning when he comes into chapter 8. And so, in, in light of everything that he said in Romans chapter 7, you might remember the lesson 
let me just say this, that at the very end of Romans chapter 7, this is what Paul had concluded. After he had said everything that he said in Romans chapter 6, comes into chapter 7, he talked about the law. You might remember how the law helped us to be, helped us to see how sinful sin really is. And he had concluded in verses 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 7, he said, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul realized he needed someone to save him. He, he realized that he was caught in sin, and he realized that Christ is the one that could do that. So now we come to chapter 8. And think about Paul, everything that he said up to now, all the lessons that we've looked at, Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, etc. And think about the mindset that he had. You might remember that Paul considered himself the worst of sinners. So imagine how he feels when he's talking about what he's talking about here in Romans chapter 8. And so, in this chapter, Paul talked about a new life. A new life that lives after the Spirit and not the flesh. In the verses we heard from the reading, Paul stated firmly that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God did what the law could not do, and that is, he justified us. In Christ, we are treated as if we are sinless, when in reality, we are not. We're not sinless, but we're treated as as if we are sinless. We are justified by what Christ did for us, even despite our failures. So you imagine, we, we stumble, we mess up all the time, but yet Christ saves us. However, it doesn't mean we can go on sinning. That's what Paul talked about, Romans chapter 6 talked about that in chapter 7. We can't go on sinning as much as we want and think that God's going to be okay with that. So Paul addressed that back in chapter 6. He explores it further in chapter 8. So Christ condemned sin in the flesh. He was a sin offering, you might remember from the reading. He doesn't want us to go back to it. He doesn't want us to go back to the life we lived, life of sin. Did you know that it's not even human to be sinful? Let me say that again. It's not even human to be sinful. What I mean by that is God's intention. It wasn't God's intention for humans to be sinful when he created us. He didn't create us sinful. We were not born this way, as some some people think. We have learned sin, and we need to resist it. And when we mess up, we need to repent and ask God for forgiveness, and he will forgive. So in chapter 8, it talks about the law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. I want to highlight verses 5 to 8 for the reading that we had. If you'll read along with me. Those who live according to the sinful nature had their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So I prefer the translation sinful flesh, sinful flesh. I I think that sounds a little better. Well, the Greek word translated as nature or flesh also means body. So if I say sinful body, maybe that makes more sense to you, the sinful body. We're talking about the sinful body. Those who live according to the sinful flesh or body, have their minds set on what that flesh or body desires, and they cannot please God if they let it control them. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. 
So the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Well, does that mean that the spirit controls us without any, any free will of our own? Well, obviously not. As a Christian, we realize that the Holy Spirit works with us. The Holy Spirit helps us. It is saying we live in accordance to what the Spirit wants. We have our minds set on what the Spirit wants and not on what the flesh or the body wants. In other words, we put God first instead of ourselves. We give ourselves over to the Spirit and we're asking God to take control. But it involves our free will. It's, it's talking about submission. We are submitting and we're asking God to take over. I like the way the King James Version translates this verse, which helps us to understand a little bit better. So let me say it again. The mind controlled by the spirit is life of peace. King James Version says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That sounds a little bit different than the mind controlled by the spirit, doesn't it? And that's what it's talking about. The spiritually minded person, the spiritually minded who seeks after the things of the spirit, it's life and peace. So the Greek word translated as carnally is the same Greek word translated as nature or flesh or body. So it's interesting. It's the same word, but it's translated as carnally. So to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Those who are fleshly minded cannot please God. Those who keep concentrating on the things of the flesh, and that's all they want to do, cannot please God. But those who are spiritually minded, they'll find peace and life. And so Paul talked about the very same thing, and I'm going to go over to the book of Galatians. I'm going to do this twice, because Paul liked to talk about a lot of the same things in the book of Galatians. And there's a section there I want you to take a look at. Galatians chapter 5 Verses 16 to 25. And listen to what the Apostle Paul said, and this will help us to understand our text here in Romans chapter 8 a little bit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25, says this. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And it gives a list of different acts of the sinful nature. It goes on to say, I warn, it, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a list there that tells us that if we live like that, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then it goes on to say, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so Paul is talking about the same thing there in Galatians chapter 5 that he's talking about in Romans chapter 8. He's covering the same thing. We are to live by the Spirit, living in the way of the Spirit, living in a way that pleases the Spirit of God. We are to be spiritually minded people. We are giving ourselves over to what the Spirit wants. We're asking God to take control. That's what we're doing. We're being submissive. We're submitting to the will of God. So now we come to our text this morning, verses 9 to 18 of Romans chapter 8. 
So Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 18. We're going to read verses 9 to 11 to start. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So now we see that it is not just a matter of being spiritually minded. The spirit of God lives within us. He dwells with us, with his people. It's interesting because when you think of the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle had to be cleansed and purified before the presence of God could come and dwell there and take up residence and ownership. And so we come to the New Testament and everything has changed. When we think of receiving the Holy Spirit, it's really God taking ownership of us after having been purified and cleansed from sin by the washing of rebirth and renewal. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. We have been purified and cleansed so the presence of God can come and dwell in us, the spirit living in us. We were washed by that godly blood, godly blood that allows the spirit to stay within us, to live in us. We are the tabernacle under the New Testament in the new covenant. We are the tabernacle. We are the temple in which God dwells now if we are in Christ. Paul told the Christians in Corinth, if you'll take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, says this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Paul had said this to the church in Corinth. And then if you were to go later in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says the same thing. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we've been purified so that the presence of God can come and dwell in us by his spirit. Since the spirit is in us, we want to live a holy life, not a careless one with sin. And so here's Paul's line of reasoning. You might remember before he was talking about who's going to be your master. Is sin going to be your master? Is Jesus going to be your master? Now in chapter 8, he's talking about being thankful, realizing who paid the price for you, realizing that God is in you. If God, if the spirit of God dwells in you, then how ought you to behave as a Christian? Should you be allowing sin in your life or should you be pushing sin away? And so this is what he's trying to get across, a different line of reasoning. But he goes a little further than this, as you're going to see in just a second, which is really interesting, the approach that he takes. So the Spirit gives life. It also helps us. He guides us so that we can be spiritually minded people of God. God doesn't tell us you're going to do it all on your own. The Spirit helps us. The Spirit guides us. The Spirit helps us. So we have to work at it, but the Spirit helps us. Look at Romans chapter 8. If you'll see farther down in that chapter, we read of verses 26 and 27. It says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us 
with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So here's just one of the ways that the Spirit helps us, that the Spirit works with us in our walk, in our Christian walk. The Spirit lives in us. He helps us if we are in Christ. So as Paul pointed out, if the Spirit of God lives in you, he will give life to your mortal body. The same Spirit that raised Jesus will raise us as well when Christ returns for us. The Spirit dwells in us, and he helps us, and he helps us to raise us when Jesus returns. Take a look now, verses 12 to 14 of Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. So listen to what he says here. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we see Paul talking further about following the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires. If we truly are God's people, in light of everything that God has done for us, we will allow the Spirit to lead us. We will, but we have an obligation. We have to realize we have an obligation. And here's where Paul's line of reasoning comes in. Let me use an example or an illustration to help with this line of reasoning that he has. Imagine, if you will, a young homeless man, a person who is hooked on drugs. He's deep in it. And this person comes up to you. And he asked you to help him change his life around and get out of this lifestyle that made him feel like a prisoner for years. He's asking for your help. So you, out of compassion, spend all this money. You put him through rehab. You help him to find a really good paying job. You help him to find a very good, decent place to live. In a sense, you've adopted him. Now the man is a new person. He's a changed person. And you continue to help him in any way that you can so that he will be successful and live a productive and happy life. Well, this man is obligated. He has an obligation to repay the kindness shown to him by working hard not to go back to the lifestyle he lived. He has an obligation to show you that he appreciates what you've done for him by not getting caught back up into drugs and that lifestyle that he was stuck in to move forward, not backward. That's his obligation. Now, think of all that God has done to help us, to help us change our sinful lives. He sends his son to die for us on the cross. He sends his spirit to live in us and help us. We have been adopted by God. God has done so much to give us a better life and an even better life after this one. And we will live eternally with him if we put to death the misdeeds of the body with the Spirit's help. As we mentioned a while ago, verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. Let's read that again. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We are under obligation to live according to the Spirit. Because of what God has done for us, we have an obligation. We have to move forward, not backward. And that's Paul's argument here in Romans chapter 8. Think of what God has done for you, and his, even his spirit lives in you. Don't go back to sin. You need to be moving forward. Don't move backward. So take a look now at verses 15 and 16. 
He said, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When we came to Christ through the gospel, the good news, we received the spirit of sonship. We became children of God by virtue of having been united with Christ. We became adopted sons and daughters. We became part of his family. As the text says, at that time when we were united with Christ, we did not receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. God took away the fear of death. He took away the fear of judgment. He replaced it with the spirit of sonship. The spirit lives in us and testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's powerful. Think about that. Let me say that again. The spirit lives in us and testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So again, we have an obligation to live according to the spirit. What Paul said next was even more powerful than the next two verses, our last two verses of the morning, verses 17 and 18. Take a look what he says here. He says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. When I studied the book of Romans, as I mentioned a while ago, I like to go over to the book of Galatians. Paul covers a lot of the same things in in the book of Galatians. And in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 down to chapter 4, verse 7. Let me read those verses. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 26, down to chapter 4, verse 7. Paul said to the church in Galatia, the Christians there, he said, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So he's talking about the same thing here. We are no longer slaves without rights. We are sons and daughters who will share in Christ's glory. But what does Paul mean by sharing in Christ's glory if we share in his sufferings? What do we even know about the word glory? What does that mean? Jesus suffered when he was persecuted and when he was insulted and so much more. But he also suffered when he was tempted by sin, as it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. We will suffer when we are tempted as well, because sin looks inviting, doesn't it? Sin has a way of looking inviting. 
We will suffer when people persecute us, when they tell us there is no God, or we're crazy for believing that there is a God, and we will suffer. It will drive us crazy, won't it? And so, we will suffer when people insult us for the cause of Christ. But after we endure all of that, and we lead this life, we will share in Christ's glory. We have to put our minds and think ahead and what it's going to be like when Christ returns for us, so that we don't have to dwell on the sufferings, so that the sufferings don't get to us. As Paul said in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Not worth comparing. It is nothing compared to the glory we will share with our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's not even worth comparing. It's nothing. The Greek word for glory means honor and praise. Honor and praise. Honor and praise is waiting for us. If we hold on to our faith and we follow, we follow the way of the Spirit. If we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. This is what those of us who are in Christ Jesus get to look forward to. Treated as sons and daughters. Imagine God treating us as sons and daughters and sharing in the glory that is Christ. If you are here today, if you are not united in Christ, if you have not been joined in Christ through the waters of baptism, if you are not a child of God, if you would like to become a child of God, won't you come forward Make that decision today. Come forward as we sing our invitation song together.